Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Something you don't know about me, in my mid to late 20s, between 25 and 29 years old, I was a bartender while studying to become a doctor so that I could pay my mortgage. See, I bought my first house at 24 years old and then decided to go back to school. And I am so grateful that I did because now I'm here with you. So I chose bartending because number one, it was good money so I could pay that mortgage of mine. And number two, the hours worked with my crazy grueling study schedule. It was an exhausting four years. And to unwind, I often drank at work with my coworkers. I definitely drank more in those years than any other time in my life. Alcohol integrated into my life so well because I was bartending. I knew the best wines, the best champagnes, the best cocktails. I could tell you the best tequilas on the market. I knew what drink paired with different meals because I happened to work at a really nice place. I would go so far as to say that I loved having a drink with a nice meal, especially a great Italian wine. But in my early to mid 30s, things started to change. Drinking alcohol, even a couple glasses of wine at night with dinner became extremely disruptive to my health. I was putting on weight fast, my brain felt scrambled in the morning, and I just looked puffy. Mind you, this is around the same time that I was dealing with estrogen dominance and dealing potentially, didn't know it yet, with an autoimmune condition. But a lot of my lifestyle, including the occasional drinking, was contributing to my body just not functioning properly. So alcohol was one of the first things that I put aside to help restore my health in my 30s. I just knew that I needed a break from it. It was actually the very first 28-day detox that I did that I finally gave up alcohol. And it's interesting because initially I thought I would end up craving sugar when I was on that particular detox. I remember, I think I was like 32 at the time. But I remember one Friday night, I was out with friends at one of my favorite Mexican restaurants. And although I didn't have anything to eat or drink because none of what they had was on my protocol, I started to suddenly crave a margarita on the rocks, no salt, with my favorite tequila. Because here's the deal, everyone was ordering pictures of my favorite margaritas. And I remember just like sucking down tons and tons of sparkling water with lime to kind of mimic the experience, but obviously didn't come close. And it was really interesting because I, I always thought it was going to be like I was going to crave that cake or crave that ice cream or crave that cookie. But I remember that night when I was like on day 14 of this protocol, this detox, it was that margarita. And I thought, you know what? This really reaffirms that I desperately needed a break. So what I have experienced with so many friends and so many people and women that I've worked with over the years is that alcohol has become such a big part of the social experience. It was definitely a big part of my social experience, especially when I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, all of the amazing restaurants and all of the mixologists and bartenders, like it was such a big scene. All just these incredible artistic cocktails were being created with real ingredients, like, you know, fresh ingredients and herbs. Like it was definitely the time when I lived there to be like 
all up in that social experience. And so when I gave it up during that detox, I remember like it was a really eye-opening experience. And it really helped me to see that although alcohol had been a fun thing to do, there were definitely consequences that I hadn't really noticed. And I find that anytime we are consuming, whether it's processed food or it's dairy or it's beer or whatever, and we're consistent about it, it's really hard to notice that it's having an impact on us until we completely remove it. And this was like the big lesson I learned from this 21-day detox. I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Like I knew that there were subtle consequences, to drinking alcohol occasionally throughout the week, but I had no idea how much of an impact it had until I completely removed it for almost a whole entire month. Now, without the alcohol and the sugar, I'll tell you what, I felt clearer, more emotionally resilient, I felt lighter, and I just felt more on top of my game. I had no more groggy mornings, and I didn't feel so blah, right? Just kind of that like baseline blahness that I think sometimes we think is okay or just normal and then you remove some of the substances that could be driving that and you're like oh my gosh so much of what I put into my body has an impact on my mood my emotional state the way that I function in the world the way that I communicate with other people in my life it just has a huge impact so I want to just fast forward to today I have been abstaining from drinking alcohol for more than a year at a time in the past five years, especially the last two years. I can honestly count on two hands how many times I've had a drink since November 2019. It's literally less than double digits. And almost every time I do drink on those occasions, I often feel the consequences of drinking. I feel a little bit hazy, low energy, moody, and just overall off. And often the next day I will say to Alex, you know what, drinking yesterday just wasn't worth it. And I can't tell you how many women tell me this almost weekly, that just drinking that night really kind of wasn't worth it. They simply can't tolerate alcohol the way that they used to, yet many of us are still drinking for a multitude of reasons, including it's fun, it's social, and it relaxes the stress away. And potentially, you know, when you you weigh the pros and cons, maybe oftentimes the pros of drinking alcohol feels better than the cons of how you're just that haziness and that yuckiness that you may feel the next day. It's clear that alcohol is a huge part, as I mentioned earlier, of the social experience, especially if you you live in a city area where there's lots of fun restaurants and malls and bars and or you know you've got game nights with friends or you've got Friday nights with friends or happy hours whatever it may be it's just become the, the fabric of our daily life or weekly life what we know is the alcohol industry with 220 billion in sales annually make sure that the alcohol keeps flowing at parties barbecues dinners even on the couch watching Whatever show you're watching, whether it's The Mandalorian or Succession or Euphoria or I don't know, whatever you're watching right now, like, you know, that cozy Netflix pizza and wine combination is definitely highly marketed to all of us, right? So how, however, I know to be true, and I know this is going to be very unpopular today on this podcast. I mean, you knew what this podcast was all about, this particular episode, right? Is like, what is going on with alcohol in our bodies? The latest data is clear. There is no safe amount of alcohol that your brain and liver can tolerate, let alone your gut, right? Your gut is like, please stop. Your liver definitely doesn't want it, and your brain is struggling too. It is 
a known fact today that alcohol is a poison and a neurotoxin and significantly disrupts our hormones. For decades, I know the public health officials had said one to two drinks a day was okay for you, even good for you. But the narrative on the health risks of moderate drinking have shifted based on the new data. The data is clear. Alcohol is not our friend. Despite that, Americans are drinking more than ever. Half of the U.S. drink alcohol, and the CDC released a port documenting that 20% of U.S. adults binge drink. Now, you don't have to be dependent on alcohol to binge drink. It's defined as a blood alcohol concentration of 0.08% or above, and that's typically four drinks in men or three drinks in women in two hours or less. So that's considered binge drinking. Women, if we have three drinks so you have you know let's say you go out to dinner and you have champagne or a cocktail for before you get started and then you have a couple glasses of wine at night that is technically the equivalent of light binge drinking in an evening now what's more is every year about eighty-eight thousand of us die from alcohol related problems half of them are often from binge drinking so about forty-four thousand people die from binge drinking activities And even more concerning, 10% of us have alcohol use disorder. Now, alcohol use disorder reduces fat burning for 24 hours. It shrinks the brain and pokes hole in the gut lining. But that's not all. Research shows that binge eating is associated with alcohol use disorder as well. And let's, let's just think about that for a second. How often have you seen someone super hungry or just mow down some nachos or some tacos whatever it may be, pizza after drinking because they were binge eating or that they were after drinking, they were also binge eating. That's, and that's happened to me, right? Like I've had a couple margaritas and all of a sudden I completely devour the guacamole and chips and then and then the tacos, right? We, we've seen that play out so many times and that's what late night taco stands are for or Taco Bell or, or fast food or pizza joints. Like anytime, like you're in a downtown area where there's a ton of bars, best believe there are pizza places and Mexican restaurants open till like three in the morning because everyone is going to eat after they've been drinking all night long. I've seen it over and over and over again, especially when I lived in a city for a good chunk of my life. Now, as we get older, this way of operating obviously does not serve because, you know, our bodies and our liver and our gut take a major, major hit. Like every time we're drinking, it's creating an inflammatory process. So I want to speak into like, you know, what was what was potentially you were able to tolerate in your 20s, maybe even in your early 30s, you just may not be able to tolerate without health consequences in your 40s or older. And thousands of women I've connected with, they often feel that shift in their late 30s, early 40s, maybe even earlier than that, maybe mid 30s. I know for me, it was early to mid 30s where I was like, hmm, like what I could do at 25, I definitely cannot do at 30 and 35. And it's become more apparent when you give your body a break, I always say at least 14 to 30 days is a great opportunity to give your body an alcohol break to really see what's going on. And I think that's why dry January or dry February is becoming so, so popular. At least in Europe, it's becoming really popular. And I know a lot of people do a dry January or dry February because gosh, after the holidays, you absolutely need a break. And I think even a 30-day break a year can make a huge difference on what's going on. But I really want to advocate for readjusting your alcohol consumption altogether. Now, oh, I realize, like I said, 
the idea of taking away the wine down or taking away your martini. I know I was on the phone with a dear, dear friend of mine, a mentor of mine who came to me because she was showing signs of metabolic dysfunction. And the one thing she was like, do not take my wine away. So I was trying to figure out like, maybe you only drink, you know, a glass of wine with dinner on the weekends, like finding ways to kind of reduce. We also know that alcohol leads to metabolic dysfunction and leads to insulin resistance and prediabetes. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. But sometimes a dry January or a dry February is not enough, like a lifestyle adjustment that you need to make across just your everyday life. So what I want to speak into is some of the effects that alcohol has on our bodies, because I know that women are just different, right? If you are a woman or you identify as a woman, it's important to note that when it comes to our bodies, we are not tiny men. Alcohol affects us differently and not in a good way, right? We don't win the alcohol battle with guys because our bodies and our endocrine system, our menstrual cycle, it just, it, the game changes for us as women. So one, women metabolize alcohol less effectively than men do. We have a slower rate of detoxification and lower volumes of total body water. For the same intake, women have higher blood alcohol concentrations compared to men. As a result, women get buzzed and drunk faster than men, even when adjusted for body weight because we have more fat and less water. And there are other variations based on our mental cycle and our hormones. All of that plays into the fact that alcohol hits us differently. It impacts us differently. Now, among people who develop alcohol use disorders, women progress more quickly from initial use to misuse than men, a phenomenon called telescoping. And what we know too is women with a history of childhood mistreatment or trauma are a particular risk for telescoping far higher than we see in men. So when drinking alcohol, our endocrine glands get impaired, like our ovaries and adrenal glands, and we know that those adrenal glands are releasing the most important hormones that are targeting, right, tissues in the body, and this can result in issues down the line. When alcohol impairs the endocrine system's ability to work properly, it can disrupt these major bodily functions, growth and development, maintenance of blood sugar and bone mass, blood pressure, blood sugar, and bone mass, production, utilization, and storage of energy, and reproduction. These are all super critical because it's a lot of what our body does every single day. Now, another big concern is the impact that alcohol has on our blood sugar balance. I want to go a little bit deeper into this. As you know, the main source of energy for all of our body tissue is glucose, and the body gets our glucose from food, right? Everyday food that we eat, from the synthesis in our mitochondria, and from the breakdown of glycogen, which is stored in the liver. Now, the body's blood sugar levels are controlled by insulin and glucagon, which are hormones secreted by the pancreas. They work together to maintain a constant concentration of glucose in the blood. So insulin, as we know, lowers glucose by sending signals to the cells to, to bring it into the cells, why glucagon raises it. Now, other hormones from the adrenal glands and the pituitary glands back up the function of glucagon to make sure that the body's glucose levels don't fall below enough to cause fainting, passing out, or even brain damage. So I want to just break down kind of what is going on here. So alcohol interferes with three sources of glucose and interferes with hormones that regulate glucose levels. There are many ways alcohol consumption affects the body's glucose levels. Alcohol is known to augment insul insulin secretion, 
causing temporary hypoglycemia, inhibit glucose production while alcohol is being metabolized, impair the hormonal response to hypoglycemia with heavy consumption, and the limit intake of glucose by not eating properly when drinking. So it's having a major impact on our metabolic function because we're having to manage the alcohol concern. Now, heavy drinking can increase the body's glucose levels. A review published in 2015 report that chronic heavy drinking causes glucose intolerance in healthy people. It can also alter the effectiveness of medication for diabetes, cause both hypoglycemic and hyperglycemic episodes in alcoholics, increase secretion of glucagon to and other hormones that raise glucose levels, lower survival rates of alcoholics with diabetes, reduce the body's res- responsiveness to insulin, making us more insulin sensitive, or sorry, insulin resistant, not sensitive. <laughs> To summarize, alcohol consumption over time can lead to metabolic dysfunction and inflammation, and a side effect is that belly fat and stubborn weight follow in suit, right? Now, if we already are struggling with insulin resistance or metabolic dysfunctions, these things just catapult more seriously, right? And it becomes more of an issue. And this all feeds into metabolic dysfunction, estrogen dominance, we, you know, the stubborn weight gain, the sluggishness, the energy issue, the brain fog issue, right? Alcohol is a major contributor to these as well. Now, as we know, We are estrogen creators. That's what we do. We make estrogen. And that's a primary switch in the female body. Just speaking into the estrogen dominance concern here, estrogen is a growth hormone. It creates breasts and hips. It's a growth factor that can, but it can also turn on inflammation and abnormal growth, such as breast cancer, endometrial cancer, diabetes, fibroids, and endometriosis. So when we look at specific alcohols, beer, wine, and bourbon specifically have all phytoestrogens that can raise women's estrogen load regarding, regardless of age, putting us at risk for estrogen-sensitive conditions like fibroids, migraines, bloating, low energy, and weight gain. And this is all, again, driving towards estrogen dominance. No surprise, in my early to mid-30s, I was showing signs of estrogen dominance. I didn't really realize, and alcohol was probably a contributor to that for sure. And probably the most concerning is the rise of alcohol misuse in women right now. Historically, alcohol misuse and specifically had been more common in men than women. However, recent data from the past 10 years shows that we are catching up very quickly. And furthermore, the alcohol industry specifically targets us as women in their marketing campaigns and wants us to normalize alcohol consumption, hence the wind down, you know, and, you know, the the get together with girlfriends. And I mean, it's literally being marketed that way so that we feel that it's a core part of us feeling good and creating connection to our besties, our friends, right? So they're tying alcohol consumption to friendship and connection and feeling good. These are qualities that really matter to us. These are values that matter to us. And here's the deal. The whole concept of the wind down is just not doing us any favors. So if you've been feeling run down, numb, stressed, and you just know something is off, I really encourage you to consider giving alcohol a break for at least 14 days, ideally longer. Don't fall for the lie that big alcohol is telling you that it's okay to have a little throughout the week to relax and to create connection. I just, I know you can do that. I know we can all do that without drinking. So in my 14-day detox, one of the things you got to do, which we're kicking off next week, is alcohol is on the no list. You got to break up with alcohol. And 
It's along with sugar and processed foods and dairy and gluten. We just put it all to the wayside. This is because in order to feed and heal your gut and give your liver a much needed break, alcohol simply can't be included, right? That makes so much sense. Like if you're going to detox your liver and your gut, number one, you got to put alcohol to the wayside. Um, because what we know is alcohol literally clogs your liver. It hinders detoxification. It makes you puffy and resistant to weight loss. So a couple of recommendations, although my number one recommendation is just to give up alcohol for 14 days or 30 days and see how you do and then make modifications based on that so maybe that modification is you have a glass of wine on friday and saturday nights but you don't drink for the rest of the week or maybe you only drink a couple times in the month whatever that looks like i think giving yourself a full-fledged long extended break is such a game changer because at the end of the day alcohol is addictive and even though it has like you could be just me minor addictive qualities like you're just I have a feeling that you know when I was having a glass of wine with dinner Italian dinner I was having a margarita with Mexican food like you know the fact that I knew how to pair everything so beautifully and that alcohol just became a part of the the norm for me with with meals it was a part of the pairing of meals I had realized that I was like you know what like it it just became a part of the fabric of my life it was time for me to put it to the wayside and I was so grateful that I did it was that 20 that first 28 days that it was a really eye-opening experience of like whoa you know what it plays a bigger role in my life than I imagined it did and gosh I just feel so much better when it's not playing such a big role in my life. That's just been my big takeaway. So if you're thinking that's kind of where you're at, but you haven't put it to the wayside ever, a 14 to 28 day or 14 to 30 day reset where you put it to the wayside, I think is a great idea. And that's why, you know, I put it in the detox because it's an opportunity for you to put it to the side for a minute. So if you're thinking about that, Here's just a couple recommendations that I recommend about alcohol cravings outside of just giving it up for cold turkey, you know, for two plus weeks. So always have sparkling water on hand with lime or lemon. That way you have something that you can sip on even pomegranate seeds or a little pomegranate juice again just to make it make it interesting maybe a little bit of grapefruit juice to kind of make it feel like it's a greyhound or feel like it's something else for me just sparkling water with lime is so perfect and it almost makes it look like you're drinking a vodka soda with lime when you're out with your best friends right if you wanted to make it look like you're still drinking when you're out and about and you know there's some really really fun drinks out there that you can mock up you know a little with a little bit of mint and cucumber I know for me, I got super creative when I was pregnant and then even now as breastfeeding. But again, my standard is always a little bit of soda water and some lime that usually does a trick. But there are some fun drinks out there with adaptogens that are sugar-free, a company that uh, that released a product that's trying to create that feel-good energy is called Recess. Um, I haven't had any of those drinks, but I've had friends who really love them. Also, keep peppermint oil on hand if a craving hits, especially if you're out with friends. Peppermint will stave off sugar and alcohol cravings. Don't keep alcohol in the house. This is a big one. <laughs> Because if that champagne bottle is in the house, you probably are going to chill it and open it if you are craving it, right? Same thing with sugar, ice cream, cookies, you know, potato chips. If you don't want to be eating that stuff, don't have it in the house. Because what I know to be true is that willpower doesn't work. Eventually, you're going to cave. I have phenomenal discipline. And then I cave. It happens. And if it's not in the house, then I, even though I had a cave moment, it wasn't in the house for me to consume anyway. Um, have an accountability buddy to support you. 
I love this. Anytime I've given up alcohol, I always have someone, I mean, clearly I've, I've given it up pretty much for the last two plus years, but back in the day, I always had someone I gave up alcohol with just so that we could just do it together. Even I've done that with sugar too. Just if you find that it's going to be a little bit of a battle, then I would have someone support you. And then if cravings get super crazy and the peppermint doesn't work, it's worth trying to take take like a half a tablespoon of MCT oil, medium chain um, triglyceride oil in the afternoon to avoid that first glass of wine because it's the wine, right? <laughs> it's always the wine or the champagne because based on anecdotal reports, MCT raises healthy short chain fatty acids in the body, which makes you feel more satisfied when you prepare for dinner. Because it's usually when you're opening that bottle is when you're making dinner. And then you have that second glass when you have dinner, right? So I hope that these tips are helpful for you to choose to give yourself a break, whether it is you give yourself a break during the week or you give yourself a full break for a month. Just note that your gut and your liver will be so, so grateful for you to give yourself an alcohol break and just to be re- reassess the journey, reassess if it's serving you. I think it's one of my favorite questions to ask when when it's anything that has to do with my health and wellness is like, is this going to serve me today? Is this bottle of wine that I'm about to open with my friends, is it going to serve me? You know, is this Sunday going to serve me? Like what is going to really serve my body? And that way there's no shame attached to it. It's just really asking like, what is going to nurture my body right now? Is this the thing that's going to do it? And so often the answer is no. I'm like, nope, this not really going to serve me. I'm not going to feel like my best self tomorrow. I'm not going to feel like my best self as a mama later on today. And so that's usually the question I ask myself is, is this going to serve me and my body? And if it's not, then I'm going to usually choose something else. So I hope that this was helpful. Again, I know it is a unpopular and uncomfortable conversation to have, but I think it's a worthy conversation to have because I know that as we get older, especially, we just don't have the tolerance and we don't have, it's having a major impact on our health. And we just have to know that that's true and and reassess based on that understanding. So thank you so much for listening to the Essentially You podcast today. This show, as always, is about providing tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. Now, if there's someone in your life that needs to hear this episode today, especially someone you know who is drinking and and not feeling super great, it's worth taking a screenshot, sending it over via text message or sharing it on social media. And if you do share it, hashtag hormone literacy and or hormone CEO. Until the next episode, I hope you have a wonderful day.